This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. All right, y'all, it is time for the final episode of season seven, our Enneagram and adoption season. I cannot believe that it's already over, but here we are. As always, my name is Alex Fitton, and I have the incredible pleasure of hosting now seven complete seasons for you guys on topics all across the adoption spectrum. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at The Adoptive Mom. For our finale, I really wanted to sum up everything that we've been talking about this season. So in addition to going through all of our nine numbers, finishing up with Jeanette Tapley last week on Enneagram Nines, we have spoken to experts like Suzanne Stabile on how we can... treat our stress numbers since we as adoptive moms are often dealing with tough situations and trying to handle them with grace and love. We talked to Beth McCord about how God has gifted each of us with an attribute of his own to reflect him to the world. We talked to Joey Shuey about how we can look at our kids and families through the lens of the Enneagram, and we are wrapping it all up by chatting about rest and how we can truly refill and recharge and get ready to go back out there and be the warrior moms that we are. I've been able to ask just about every guest this season how they find true rest. And I always include the caveat that I don't mean surface level rest and self-care, but like real deal rest. So here to chat with us all about this for each number is the incredible Ryan Mayfield. Ryan is a teamwork consultant that specializes in connections with others through the lens of the Enneagram, and he is also an almost adoptive dad, which is so cool. He works with many business leaders and teams across a wide variety of industries using the Enneagram to help them understand themselves, each other, and communicate better and love their jobs. He is obsessed with things like good coffee, travel, and cricket, the sport. (laughs) I don't think I've ever talked to someone who actually likes cricket, the sport. That's so cool. So before we jump into my interview with Ryan, I want to remind you guys of just all the things. As we prepare for a break for AMP, I want to make sure that you guys know about a few things. First, where to find me and continue to follow along outside of weekly episodes. You can afford course do this through social channels at the adoptive mom. Plus make sure you're subscribed to my email list at the adoptive mom podcast.com slash community and join the adoptive mom podcast community group on Facebook. You can't go wrong with any and hopefully all of these connections. Secondly, I have to remind you guys that the AMP branded Enneagram merch is only up for the rest of the week. So you guys go now and grab your Enneagram tees. I will be over here in my reformer tee loving life and you should be in your respective one doing the same. So grab those before they're gone. Head to the adoptive mom slash shop. Okay. I think that's it. So let's go talk to Ryan. All right, guys, welcome to the final episode of the Adoptive Mom Podcast for season seven. And you guys, I think this is the first time I've ever closed the season with a dude. So you should feel so honored, Ryan. I feel super honored. (laughs) Um, And you're not just any dude. You're actually a soon-to-be adoptive dad. So that's really cool. Um, 
but take a second and maybe like tell us about that, but also just who you are and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Ryan Mayfield. Uh, I have a company called Evergreen. I basically am a uh, Enneagram coach and teamwork consultant. So I work with uh, companies and teams basically to help them to communicate better, improve teamwork, and actually enjoy their jobs. Uh, so, but uh, on top of that, I'm also married. My wife and I um, are in central Arkansas. And as you said, we're in the process of adopting. And so uh, as anybody who's been through that process knows, uh, it can be a long uh, process with a lot of different phases, and we are about a week and a half from placement right now. Um, so uh, he he'll be moving in with us right before Christmas. Uh, not sure when this will come out exactly, but um, yeah, it, it'll be right before Christmas this year. So big things happening here. Yay! It's so exciting. Are you like? I mean, you're a one, which we'll get into. So are you in the like going crazy because things are not going as planned phase or like just rethinking all your steps phase or are you just anxious or what? No, um, I recently, the way I have described it to people is it's a bit like uh, the engagement period before you get married, where you have a lot of the responsibility, but you're still driving back and forth multiple times a week to the same location. And so I'm just ready. I'm like, let's get this thing moving. Let's get this kid in here so that I don't have to drive across the state twice a week. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, Uh, I remember that. I think I've blocked a lot of it out, but I do remember a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. And like I said, you're a one, which is so cool because uh, I'm a one. And so we are closing out the series with like my favorite number. Let's just say it. I, I can play favorites here. Uh, how do you feel about being a one? Because people ask me that a lot. Like that's a common question. They're like, do you enjoy being a one? And I'm like, do you ask sevens this? I don't think you do. <laughs> well, sevens clearly enjoy being sevens. Um, <laughs> But um, no, I do. It just, I mean, it makes sense, you know, Uh, and I I always joke and tell people that ones, we can load the dishwasher better than you. That's one of my superpowers, right? And so uh, that's, uh, yeah, I like it. It's how the world makes sense to me. Uh, And so I can't imagine being anything else. What number is your wife? She is a six through and through. Okay. So similar behaviors going on at your house, but for different reasons, obviously. (laughs) One of us has a lot more anxiety than the other. I'll say that. (laughs) Um, Yes. I, you know, it's funny because I think that as ones we get painted as like being really staunch and really not, not a lot of fun at parties is what I always say. And I'm like, I have tons of fun at parties. I just need to understand what I'm walking into. Hmm. Need to know that there's a plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I was laughing because I was in a, a group a couple months ago. I was doing a training with a team full of people and it was actually, it's mostly ones uh, on this team. And it's crazy. I feel sorry for the other people that are not ones on the team, but I was joking around with all the ones and how, um, you know, probably our spirit animals like a wet blanket or something. <laughs> and they all wanted t-shirts with that on it. Oh, now I want that as well. When that comes out, will you let me know? I'll link sure. You. I'll let you, I'll send you one. Please. Oh, I, I need that so bad. Um, okay. So I'm so excited to get into the main topic. So, you know, we've spent a whole season talking about parenting and um, adoption, especially, and 
what that looks like through the lens of our numbers. We've gone through each of the numbers. We've talked to different experts about parenting and about our stress numbers and about how God has gifted each of us according to our numbers. Mm -hmm. And I really am thrilled to end our season by really talking about how we can turn our eyes back on ourselves. You know, at, at the Adoptive Mom Podcast, we always strive to, yes, we want to take care of our kids. Yes, we want to be great adoptive moms. But with so few eyes on us normally, I just always want to highlight the adoptive mom and say, hey, how can we rest in God? How can we turn our, um, I don't know, how can we feel fruitful in our lives without feeling like we're just running ourselves to death? So I'm really excited to talk to you about rest and how we can feel fulfilled um, and really how we do that through the lens of our numbers. So um, I I don't even know how to transition this besides just be like, and go, (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> Maybe if you just want to like take us through and tell us like what you've noticed as an Enneagram coach, as an Enneagram expert with all the people that you work with, how do you see rest coming from each number? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, rest is an incredible topic that I think probably doesn't get talked about enough. Um, I, I remember listening to somebody say one time, uh, this was back in college. I heard somebody say this. They said, sometimes the most godly thing you can do is take a nap. And I'm like, man, that is, that is true. But I feel like over time I've discovered that to be even more and more true, but it's one of the parts of God that we so often ignore or don't talk about, right? The, the whole idea that God worked really hard creating a whole bunch of stuff and then he rested. Right. Um, and we don't do that well, right. Regardless of what your Enneagram type is, especially in our society, we just don't do that well. And so I think if you want to view it through the lens of Enneagram types, a lot of it is connected back to what that core need of each number is, right? So, you know, for us as Enneagram ones, there's that core need to be, to be right, to be perfect, to be accurate, you know? Um, And I think that the gospel, the good news for Enneagram ones is that, even when you aren't, Jesus was on your behalf, mm. right? And so that to me for a one is the key to being able to rest is to know that when I stop working, when I stop getting everything right, when I'm not hyper-focused on having everything perfect and not dropping any balls and not you know, dropping any plates that I'm trying to spin, uh, then that's when I have to remember that truth because that's what allows me to actually stop in those moments. And so of course there's tons of verses about that and there will be for all of these. Right. Um, but just that truth I think is really big for ones that you don't have to keep the universe spinning because there's already a God who's doing that. Yes. Well, and I think it's, it's hard to remember because we, we have a tendency to kind of throw the towel in if we feel like a situation is not fixable. Um, Mm. and I think that that's so that, that message of saying like, you, you literally don't have to do that. Jesus already did that for you. It's so hard to let that seep in. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're stubborn sometimes. Definitely. (laughs) All right. So talk to us about twos. So twos, when I think about twos, right, there's the core need to be needed by others. Uh, Twos like threes and fours get so much of their identity from how they're perceived by other people. Um, And so for them, whatever they can offer in terms of help and service um, and and being needed, being the helper, right, to other people is how they can gain identity. But what we have to remember is that biblically, like God is the ultimate helper, right? And is the ultimate come alongside 
um, and empower and, and help, right? And so whenever twos forget that, what they tend to do is think that the people and the world around them depends on their ability to help them, right? And so just having to remember that, no, God is the ultimate helper, not me. So even if I am unavailable to help, everybody will still survive, right? Mm. Um, That God is the one holding things up and not me. And that allows twos to actually be able to rest sometimes when they realize not everybody's depending on them for survival. Yeah. Oh, and I think, I mean, you know, I, I have a two wing and it's a, I would say it's a very strong two wing because I even struggle with that. Um, and just knowing that like, Oh, the world actually will keep on spinning if I just stop striving. Yeah. Yeah. Ready for threes. I'm ready. So threes again, perception by others is a big thing, but their core need is to achieve right to, uh, and to appear good while they're doing it, you know? Um, and, and I can say that my best friends are all threes. I feel like, I don't know how it happened, but, um, they are. And, and for threes, the thing that they, um, I heard something really great the other day. Uh, somebody was talking about, um, how often people find God in the ditch versus mm-hmm. finding him, you know, on the, on the pinnacle of a mountain somewhere, um, that, that that is the God of the gospel. It's, it's the God who isn't expecting you to climb ladders to get to him. He's the God who comes down to the the dirt and the mud and the ditch where we are in our sorry state. And um, if God is okay with that, then he's okay with whatever level of performance and achievement anybody can put together. And to know that that has absolutely no bearing on how accepted you are by God uh, is a message that a three really needs to hear in order to be able to relax and stop trying to climb whatever ladder they might be trying to climb. Mm. I'm going to cut that audio and just send it to my husband to listen to you on repeat. <laughs> Good. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So fours, I am very interested to hear this because you and I go to four in stress. So that's often when we need rest. Yeah. Yeah. So fours, um, as you know, the core need for fours is, is not only to be, you know, some people will say it's to be unique, but maybe a different way to say it is to be known. Right. Um, and they want to be really truly known for who they are. Um, but at the same time, most fours really believe that there's something missing and something deficient inside of them. And so it's this weird push pull of, I really want to be known, but Oh no, if I'm actually known, my deficiencies will be seen. Mm. Um, And the good news for fours that allows them to rest is that the gospel says that your flaws and, and deficiencies are already completely laid bare before God. And knowing that he still chose to give himself in order to save. Um, And so there's no flaw or deficiency in you that you have to continually try to cover up uh, that's going to disqualify you from grace because that's not how grace works. Wow. That's a good word. Um, okay. So as we move into the head triad, what are some of the things that they really need to understand to experience rest? Sure. So for the five, sixes and sevens, you know, it's like you said, very much in the head processing stuff. And it's really all about fear, right? For five, sixes, and sevens, whenever the world goes wrong, fear is the primary thing that they have to wrestle with. And in response to that, they all try to hide in some way, 
right? Fives are going to hide behind knowledge and information. Sixes are um, going to hide and, and actually experience a lot of anxiety um, and either fight or, or run kind of a fight or, or freeze. And, and sevens tend to hide by just jumping ship and going and finding something else that they can do. That's more exciting. Um, um, and so for fives, you know, I think the thing that they need to know is that there is no level of the relationship between God and you that depends on your competence, Mm. right? Yeah. That, that, God gave himself not for those who were the wise, learned, you know, educated people, but for those who didn't have anything to stand on. Um, And so it's not wrong to know stuff, but just know that it has, again, no bearing on your relationship with God. Wow. Um, And I mean, that's all all of these, I feel like are so great for all of us to remember. But, um, but I think that for someone who feels like, that's their entire identity is wrapped up in how much they know or how much they can know. Um, that's, that would be super necessary to experience she rest. So what about sixes? Sixes? Um, gosh, like, you know, my wife is a six and, uh, a big soft spot for sixes, right. And sixes (laughs) are, um, sixes can be complicated. So you've got, um, probably your listeners will know there's a couple different types of sixes and they respond to things differently. And, you know, for sixes, there's that fear, which leads to anxiety, which um, their big thing is around feeling safe and secure and feeling like they can trust who's in charge. Mm. Um, Depending on if they think the person in charge is trustworthy, then a six will either um, freeze up and hide, or they'll, you know, throw a political revolution and <laughs> overthrow governments and things. Um, and so the key to being able to rest for a six is really understanding the trustworthiness of God, right? Mm. That listening to the stories of God's faithfulness over generations, right? Um, and to say that he's been faithful for this long, there's no evidence whatsoever that he won't continue to be faithful uh, and won't leave, right? And will continue to be that that strong tower and and safety and shelter, regardless of what else goes on, right? That's key to rest for sixes. Mm. I mean, that's a lot to unpack because I think that just requires um, that th- that thought on so many different levels, which, as we know, is repressed for sixes. So it's difficult to tap into that. Um, but it's, it's God given and it's so necessary, yeah. which is, I don't know, like I said, I'm processing as I'm talking, but yeah, which I mean on that, that's just another thing to point out. This is why we need each other because mm-hmm. a lot of times the very things that we need are not things that we are naturally inclined to understand. Um, we're right. almost in, in our own deficiencies. We're hardwired to miss it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because I am so obsessed with making things perfect. Right. I'm not going to be even looking for someone else to be perfect for me because that's my job. Right. And so I need other people around me to point that stuff out to me, just like every number does. And just like what you're saying with the six, how that's really hard to unpack. That's why it's so important to have other people around you and that none of us can do this alone. Man, that, and that actually reminds me of um, something my husband and I talked about last night. Um, when I was telling him that my, my need to have that truth spoken to me resets every day, almost like Mm. just 
that reminder because I don't, I can't marry the two of like, I can think it, but I can't feel it. And I can't do that very easily automatically. So I was like, I need you to tell me all the time that I am enough, that I don't have to be perfect. And, and um, so that's a really cool concept that you just brought up. Yeah. Uh, sevens, we move on to the sevens. So, um, you know, sevens are usually the, the fun people in the group. Sevens are, uh, I love, love my sevens. Um, and for sevens, the core need for them, this one, again, depending on who you ask, you might get this phrase differently, but the way that I like to phrase it is they have this need, um, to avoid pain, to avoid difficulty, and, and even sometimes just to avoid boredom. Right. Um, and it's because most sevens have this just voracious appetite for all that life can give them. Right. And so they want the fun, they want the adventure and, and what they need to know is that even if they slow down and aren't happy about everything all the time, God is a God who enters into sadness and pain as well. Right. You don't just find him in the highs of life. Um, but God is God who intimately understands suffering and, and pain and death and trials. And it's okay to be there and you don't have to avoid it because God is just as much there and maybe more so than he is in the high fun parts of life. Mm. Wow. That was, that's a, like such a good quote right there. That, <laughs> it's cool. I mean, just to think about it that like, God can find us in both places and he will actively seek us out in those places. Um, Cause I think that our humanity causes us to deny that so much. Oh yeah. <sighs> yeah, absolutely. And he's just as much God in the resurrection as he is in the crucifixion. Right. Um, that's, you know, it doesn't matter. He's, he's over all of it. Wow. Good stuff. Okay. So like, kind of want to linger on that and process it, but we're going to have to move on and talk about eights. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, you know, we get into eights um, and the core need for eights, the way I like to phrase it is that eights have this need to either be for something or be against something, right? They're uh, sometimes called the challenger, or I even love to call them the advocates, right? Mm-hmm. To fight on behalf of people who can't fight for themselves, voice for the voiceless, stand in the gap, those kinds of people. Um, And so for eights, a lot of what they're looking for whenever they're trying to decide whether they're acceptable, whether they have done enough, um, is just that it's, have I done enough? Have I made a big enough impact? Have I saved enough people? Right. Um, if you want to go to the nth degree on it and to just understand that while we are called into this life of loving others and bringing, uh, justice and righteousness into, you know, the worlds that we've been given, none of it depends on us. Um, probably the best way I've heard that said is that we're fighting from victory, not for victory. And a lot of eights are fighting as if victory depends on them when really we're fighting out of a victory that's already been won. So do you have like a book of quotes from yourself that you just read all the time? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I just say the same sentences over and over again. I was going to say, it's just like with every number, I'm like, well, that's a good quote. That's a good quote. Um, (laughs) From victory, not for victory. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. Finish this out with nines and then we can talk a little bit more about you and, um, and yeah, all that stuff. 
So for the nines out there that are looking for rest, um, the core need for nines is a lot of times just to avoid conflict, right? Um, I say that for nines, they kind of feel like the the world is a game of whack-a-mole and they're the mole, right? They're just trying to keep their heads down. Um, and, you know, I think what happens to nines a lot of times when they can't rest, it's because they're so worried about if they speak up, if they enter into something, if they engage in something, they're going to cause more conflict, right? But here's the difference between a healthy nine and an unhealthy nine um, is an unhealthy nine is what I call a peacekeeper and a healthy nine is what I call a peacemaker, right? The difference is the peacekeeper says, I can't get involved in this. I'm just going to stay quiet, not rock the boat. Where the peacemaker says, there's a lot of people with different viewpoints here that aren't getting along. And I have this specific power to engage this, right. And help people see this and actually bring peace and bring rest to a group of people. Uh, And so, but again, just to point it back to the gospel, even though that's a superpower for a nine, they don't have to do that because Jesus himself is called the Prince of peace. And everything that he does is about bringing reconciliation between God and humanity and, and all of creation. And so um, it's not like you're going to mess something up and bring a little bit too much conflict. And the Prince of peace is going to be like, dang, I was so close. Right. (laughs) Um, It just doesn't work that way. And so nines, you can rest. You don't have to make the whole world, you know, peaceful on your own. Yeah. And so I think that how I'd love to kind of finish out just this number talk is maybe like, um, when we find ourselves in those stress numbers, when we find ourselves really struggling to be able to fully and truly rest, uh, what, what is like a really great way that you tell your clients in, um, to just kind of tap into that, to, to be able to remember these, all these things you've been talking about better. Sure. So I'm a big fan of, uh, what you could call breadcrumbs, right? If you remember like the Hansel and Gretel story, uh, they leave a trail of breadcrumbs, right? And so I, I like to encourage people to leave breadcrumbs for themselves um, in whatever way makes sense. So for me personally, um, you know, I have different reminders that pop up on my phone that I've just programmed in either, um, you know, whether it's a verse or a reference or just a saying, right? Um, I, as a one, I have one that says, fly at 30,000 feet, right? That pops up about once or twice a week that just reminds me to not get stuck in the nitty gritty details and that just to look at the big picture. And that's different for different people, but whether that's reminders on your phone or my wife has a uh, index card stuck to her bathroom mirror, or if it's in your car on the dash or whatever it is, but leaving little clues and reminders in places that you know you're going to see them uh, is just one of the things that I think is a great way for people to to have that constantly in their head, right? So that when those stressful times do come, you've got a reservoir to draw on. Yeah, and that's even biblical. I mean, when um, in the Old Testament, whenever God was saving the Israelites and he told them to leave stones to remember mm-hmm. uh, the trials that they had been through. Um, and I've listened to, I listened to a great talk on that about how those stones can look like phone reminders or index cards or a blog that you've archived or whatever, but any way yeah. to remember the promises that God has given us. Um, man, and I think that that's, that's especially as adoptive parents, because it can feel so often like if we drop it, it will crumble. Um, yeah. 
and we see evidence of that. So it feels so true in the moment. Um, and it takes such a leap of faith to be able to say, no, if I stop, it's actually not going to all fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I've been asking these same Enneagram related questions to all of my guests and you are the very last one that gets to answer them. Okay. Uh, So just for fun, what's the most overtly one thing about you? Oh gosh. The most one thing about me, you know, of course, like any one, I probably can't handle, uh, just the little things being off here and there. Um, it's very difficult for me to go to bed at night without the dishes being washed. Um, I, it's hard for me to leave clean, you know, dirty dishes and stuff out. Um, I just, I can't leave stuff undone. Mm -hmm. I have to finish what I start. Yes. That for me, but also with the mentality of like, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not even going to try, which is not great. As you know, Sure. sure. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what is your favorite and least favorite thing about being a one? Um, my favorite thing about being a one is I think if you do it in a healthy way, it doesn't have to be stressful. You know, I I think for ones, we love systems. And so like for me, I I run a business basically on my own and I'm able to do that because I've set up systems and automated things. And, you know, I'm not going to do that forever, but right now I feel like I do the work of five or six people because I've automated enough stuff and created workflows and systems. And I love that. Um, that part's really great. What's not great, um, is just how harsh we can be, um, how harsh we can be on ourselves and on others, but especially on ourselves, how we can come across, um, ones tend to come across a lot more sure of themselves than we intend to be. And so, um, we don't see it, but it hits other people, uh, hits them hard sometimes. Mm, Yes. Agreed. Um, it's really funny. It's been a while. So like I, I have a one episode obviously, but it happened at the beginning of the season. So it's, it's been a while since I'm like, yes, same. <laughs> to <Yeah. all> of <laughs> these. <laughs> I'm used to like, you know, Beth McCord being like, uh, the most nine thing about me is I work from a hammock. <laughs> and like, oh yeah. I have no way to relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Okay. Why do you think, in, in your own words, why is the Enneagram helpful for understanding ourselves and specifically our needs? You know, what I always say about this is it's so much like language. If you've ever traveled to a country that English is not the primary language, um, then you'll know what this is like. And as as English-speaking Americans, we're not very good at this, at learning someone else's language. We tend to just scream English louder and you know, hope that people will magically understand us. Um, but understanding the Enneagram is a lot like learning at least some of the like key words and phrases in someone else's native language. And when you do that, you can speak directly to someone's heart, right. To, to the core of who they are without having to translate a whole bunch of different things. And just like language, the less translating you have to do, um, the less is lost in translation. And so it's just an incredibly valuable tool for understanding what really motivates people and being able to, to really connect with people in a way that's much harder to do if you don't understand that. Yeah. I mean, being able to understand others and also being able to communicate our own needs. Like, I mean, the Enneagram has done such more for our marriage than any other tool. And obviously the Enneagram is not the only tool out there, but just to be able to 
like even read and understand threes better and be like, oh, this is what you've been trying to tell me for, you know, eight years. And he's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. So just to sum it all up as an almost adoptive dad and Enneagram expert, what is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement for, you know, adoptive moms or just those who may be confused about this whole Enneagram thing or unsure of it? How can we all use this tool to help us be better versions of ourselves and be better adoptive moms specifically? Yeah. Well, I would say to focus on yourself first with this. Um, The temptation a lot of times with Enneagram is to start thinking about everybody else and what number they are and how we can fix people sometimes, right? But, But what I know is that you can't lead anybody else until you can lead yourself and you can't lead yourself unless you know yourself. Mm. And the Enneagram is the best tool I know to understand what really motivates you, what really drives you. And it's such a relief whenever you actually like get it and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's what I have been feeling for my entire life. And I've never had words for it before. And it just makes things so much clearer. And so spend as much time as you can focusing on knowing and understanding yourself. And that will help you lead a family and and every other sphere of influence that you're in um, just automatically by knowing yourself so that you can lead yourself better. Yes. Amen to all of that. Um, Okay. So before we wrap up, tell us where we can find you um, and your own podcast and uh, your business and all that. Yeah. So uh, I'm on, most of the major social media networks, uh, you know, if you go to Instagram, it's uh, Invincible Teams, which is also the name of the podcast. And so it's a podcast for business owners and team leaders who want their teams to reach their potential. We talk a lot about Enneagram. It's not um, solely Enneagram focused, but um, we'll talk about it quite a bit. Uh, and so there's that. If you want more information on the business, which is called Evergreen, you can go to evergreenteams.com. It's spelled weird. It's E-V-R-G-R-N, only one E, evergreenteams. Too cool uh, for, val- for vowels. Yeah, better for marketing is what I was told. So. <laughs> um, okay. And then, yeah, you personally, did you say that one? Uh, probably the best place to connect with me personally. I'm on Instagram personally um, for per, like my own personal stuff. If you want the business side of me, then LinkedIn is the best for that. Just Ryan I think people are going to want to see cute pictures of your new kid here in a few months. That's what <laughs> as as soon as I'm allowed to post those legally, then you'll get them. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Ryan and I are about to go have a fun conversation for Patreon subscribers. Once again, if you would like to be privy to that, go to patreon.com slash the adoptive mom. But until next time, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at the adoptive mom podcast.com. Thanks for joining us.